This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation and weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm, which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. In the timeline of this podcast, we are in August of 2023, and this will be the final episode for the False and Defamatory podcast as we are reaching the end of the legal journey. This being the last episode of the podcast is a little bittersweet because it has been extremely healing for me to produce this podcast and release it to the public. However, I am relieved to finally have been able to go through everything and leave it all out there. People can listen to that, view that, and then make their own conclusions about what truly transpired in this entire situation. On August the 1st of 2023, the defendant made her Instagram public again. She had it public for a long time. And then in early 2022, shortly before her deposition, she made it private and commented on the fact that she had just made it private. That didn't stop her from after that point saying that her Instagram had always been private, which is not the case. I think that she was trying to use that narrative leading up to the trial so that she could have the position that she was just sharing with her friends and that her Instagram was private. And so it it was just her talking to her friends, but that was not the case. She had it public for many years, made it private for a short time, and she had made her Instagram public again. On August the 2nd of 2023, the defendant was moving out of her warehouse again. This is the second time that she has announced that she was moving out of her warehouse. It appears that when she announced this back in May, that perhaps she was only moving out of a portion of the warehouse, but she is moving out of it fully at this point. And once again, brings in the narrative that it is my fault. It is her now ex-husband's fault as the divorce trial was held. We are just at this point waiting on the final decree to be entered, but she is definitely blaming her ex-husband and myself and keeping up the narrative that we tried to sabotage her and ruin her life and business. She makes the following public Facebook post, and it is a written post, and it says, the last load So today was kind of a hard day. I think it's just harder to act like you're okay emotionally while you have to direct traffic as you literally pack up every single thing you've ever worked so hard for, put it in a box or throw it away. But then you're also super thankful because people are helping you who shouldn't have to be helping you. People that don't owe you a thing. Also, you have to come up with all of these decisions for every single question on where things should go and what should happen next and logistically and financially how when you don't really know because you didn't really expect any of this. You know, if you asked me a month ago, I would have told you that my divorce would have been fair and we would have been able to pay off our debt with the million dollars I earned that sat in a trust for a year, leaving me with nothing 
while I waited for the courts to rule and that there would be no way I would be left with half a million dollars worth of debt and let him walk away scot-free with every dollar I earned on top of the debt I'm left with and the hundreds of thousands that I now have to pay him. But that's just not what happened at all. Instead, he lied and made up documents and got away with it again and again and again. It's enough to make your head spin and make you want to lay in bed all day and cry. But I don't have time to wallow in the unfairness or focus on the why. I don't even have time to figure out the how I'm going to be able to do it. Instead, I'm figuring it out, just like I had to figure him out. And somehow, with the help of my incredible community, in 107 degree heat, it all came together. People showed up for me, and I couldn't be more thankful. Embarrassed, but thankful. It is incredibly humbling, and I cannot even begin to express how thankful I am for everyone. Those who just came to hug me brought me a cold drink or some food. Literally thousands of people who messaged me prayers of comfort and words of encouragement, and those who came to loan their trailers and their husbands and their trucks in their time. I'm so thankful. He may have temporarily disarmed me, fought unfair, and then won the battle, but the war has just begun, and I won't lose next time. I can promise you that. Oh, and then there's this thought for the day, too. And then she shares a picture of herself, and on the screen of that picture, it says, You know, as I drive this U-Haul with most everything I own in it, I just sit here and think, does this quote-unquote random anonymous troll that thinks that we don't know who they both are feel powerful? Do they feel like they've won something because they've destroyed my business and uprooted my life? You know, you just wonder, like, how in the world do you sleep at night knowing that for years this has been the plan? It's just so disgusting. And what kind of sociopathic, narcissistic, disgusting, profanity psycho do you have to be to do something like this to somebody? But that's okay because I didn't just get lucky. I am profanity talented and that's the one thing they aren't. So I'll do it again. So in this post, she is bringing her same narrative into this that it is my fault, her ex-husband's fault, and we have colluded together and have destroyed her life. And of course, her followers are in the comments with the same sorts of comments and messages that they are so sorry and how could people do this to her and that sort of a thing. So they are still believing her false and defamatory narrative. That evening, the defendant made a series of Instagram stories sort of talking about the same thing. Like I'm pissed off and I'm angry that it's all happening and it's, I'm angry that it's happened to me and I'm, you know, you just want to shake them and be like, what the f are you doing this for? Like, you're not going to get away with it forever. And like, it's a horrible example to your kid. And like money is never worth like doing all these horrible things. And like, you're going to get away with it right now, but not forever. You can't possibly think that for like, you know me, you think I'm really going to let that slide? No. So, like, why do that? I don't know. Counselor says that my problem is I think people, aka him, have the same heart or whatever that means, feel things the same way I do, and they don't. And you just think, like, like y'all all feel like y'all got duped? Same, sis. Me too. When people come up to me in public and they're like, but how? Like, I never knew. Like, me neither. Oh, my God, are you kidding? I look like such a idiot for so long. God, I'm so mad at myself. But also, like... Beyond being mad at myself, like, why would you go so far and for so long and so stuff you cannot undo? Like, I don't even have to do anything. I don't even need a binder now. But it's like, I guess I need to remember that it was on purpose, intentionally, premeditated, planned out for a long, long time. Way longer than I thought. God. God. It's so 
oh, and you can't undo it. That's the thing. Not that I, I mean, I, get, I don't know. I need to go back to not thinking about it and just let it be what it is. Surely I'm a bounce back. I mean, y'all wouldn't all be telling me that if I wasn't. There ain't a single person who told me I wasn't. You're sitting over there on an island by yourself. You and your little friend. Did she give you back the money that you're giving her? That's what I really want to know. What's so gross? Don't tell me. I already know. It's disgusting. Talk about an obsession. Lord. And also, what happened to just making an honest living? Like, who has to, like, lie, cheat, plan, steal to get money from people? Like, it's just gross. Both of y'all. It's disgusting. And, like, for so many years, you were, like, saying how disgusting and psycho she was and all this stuff. And she's so gross. And, oh, my God, all these horrible things. You know, you texted those things. Did you know that? Like, you texted me those. You didn't delete those text messages off of my phone. I mean, you did, but I got them back. But logically, your brain says, sure, you can't possibly think you're just going to get away with it forever. But I guess when you get away with it this big, maybe you think you will. How do you go to bed? Like when people say, how do you sleep at night? This is what they mean. Like, how did you just for so long just pretend? Here's one thing I do want to know. Did it piss you off how much I figured out? I'm kind of proud of that. Because Oblivious was definitely my middle name. But like, did it really piss you off whenever I figured out so much? Like put it all together. Here I am thinking you're like spying on me because you thought I was cheating. <laughs> My kid's like, I asked him if you ever if you ever cheated on him. Mommy said no. So that's when I was like, okay, I guess, I don't know. What else could it be? And then, you know, it's easier to put together. But you just think like, people wouldn't go that far just for me, for you to figure out how much of you I'm figuring out. But turns out, I'm smarter than you thought. Okay, last question. Did it piss you off? Because like, like convinced that you thought that I was going to kill myself. No, I got a gang of friends. I got a bad kid have a cool freaking job i might not have any family and nowhere to go on christmas usually but like i can go to my friend's house but did it piss you off how much i didn't quit you know also ew that's gross that's very ugly to think that you could just whittle someone down i mean you did a really good job i was freaking feeling crazy for a long time but did it piss you off i was just like like, imagine, like, getting electrocuted and the person just doesn't fall down. <laughs> that's, that's how I sum it up. So in these clips, she is still clearly, in my opinion, upset that she had to shut down her warehouse in full, apparently this time it appears, and is still blaming her ex-husband and myself. But she makes some pretty disturbing accusations or statements in these videos. And she makes a lot of comments about her ex-husband pretending for so long and he had everyone fooled. And I do just want to point out that once again, this is very, very sad because she had a husband, in my opinion, who would have done anything for her. And that's why she is saying that her friends were so surprised and she was so surprised. And quite literally, the campaign of lies that she invented and took this far to destroy her own life and burn it all down, ruined her marriage and her family. And that is just really, really sad to me. She says that what happened to making an honest living and why do you have to lie, cheat, steal and those sorts of things. And she's, she's directing that towards her ex-husband and myself, but we have seen, we are now in episode 38 
of this podcast, and we have seen the defendant repeatedly use defamation for profit. And so much like some of her other statements, it's very ironic that she would make a statement like this because I would say the same thing to her. And the defendant has repeatedly used this false and defamatory narrative to line her own pockets. It's a pattern that cannot be disputed across all of this footage. And she once again is accusing someone else of getting money from people in a dishonest way. And one observation that I've made in all of this is whenever she does make an accusation, it is actually a confession of something that she has done. She says that this was all premeditated and planned out. And also she says, did it make him mad or perhaps both of us mad how much she figured out? And she's very proud of herself for figuring out so much. And I've gone back and forth on whether or not she actually believes her own lies. And I still don't know because she knows that this isn't true. She knows it. She has to know it. But she says it so much. I think once again that she says it so many times that she thinks that it will just be true because she says it so much. But nobody did this. Nobody did these things to her. Nobody premeditated and planned out anything. I woke up on September the 2nd and that was it for me. I decided that morning before I went to work that that was going to be my last day and I left. I left. That's all that I did. And she got angry that H would not cut off contact with me after I quit, took that as a betrayal, fabricated this entire narrative. And because she had been building up this narrative for so long to all of her friends and anyone who would listen, she decided to take that and morph that into blaming it all on me. She needed somebody to take the fall. And she also needed to convince H to never have contact with me again. And so this was the perfect opportunity for her to wrap all of that into a big giant bow. However, her reasoning was that I had to have been getting inside information. And at first she tried to scare H and say that I was getting information from her, which could also get her in trouble. And then when that didn't work, but the people on these forums kept writing about her. She needed another excuse as to why these people were getting this quote unquote inside information. And she actually took it so far as to blame her own husband to the point to where they are now divorced. On August the 7th of 2023, the defendant's final defamation attorney, who is also intervener in the divorce case, filed a motion to pay their portion of what they're owed. It's $55,000. It's almost actually $56,000 that they are owed. They wanted that to be paid prior to my judgment being paid because the defendant's portion of what was left of the trust was not going to be enough to cover both what they were owed and what I was owed. So they filed that motion on August the 7th, and that motion would be heard on August the 11th when the final decree was to be entered. On August the 11th, that hearing was held, and the judge did rule to pay the attorneys first and then pay my judgment. Again, the judge did rule that those would be paid directly from the trust account rather than being released to the defendant first and left up to the defendant to pay because the defendant had demonstrated a pattern of not using the money that was released to her for what it was intended for. And so the judge did rule on that. And that meant that those attorneys would be paid first and then I would be paid whatever was left. On August the 21st of 2023, 
the defendant filed what's called a request for findings of fact and conclusions of law. And in this request, the defendant appears to have filed this pro se, which means that she was no longer represented by her second divorce attorney. It appears that she, after the trial, was unhappy with their performance. She made several videos discussing that she didn't feel like they did a good job. And so she appears to be unhappy with how they handled her divorce. And she is now representing herself. And the reason that this has filed is because you cannot appeal a divorce ruling without the findings of fact and conclusions of law. So she filed this on August 21st of 2023, and it appears that she forwarded an email with the subject, send this to judge with several exclamation points after that. So perhaps somebody was helping her or that was just her note to herself, but that was sent to the court to request the findings of fact and conclusions of law. Then on August the 24th of 2023, at 4.10 p.m. The False and Defamatory podcast was launched on Patreon. Launching the podcast on this particular day at this particular time was very, very important to me. I was trying to wait until the final decree was signed and filed with the court before launching the podcast because similar to my trial, in between the verdict and the judgment, Todd had said, don't say anything. It needs to be final, final. And so I truly was trying to wait for that moment before I released the podcast because the hearing was on the 11th. I didn't see any reason why by the 24th, the final decree would not have been entered, but it wasn't quite yet entered. However, it was really, really important to me to launch the podcast on that date at that time, because that was exactly one year to the day and time that my verdict was read. My unanimous verdict was read where the jury decided that all the statements that the defendant had made about me were false and defamatory. And I really wanted to celebrate that anniversary with the launch of the false and defamatory podcast. While I was launching the podcast, I did have a group call with some friends and family and the team that I had built from the Reddit community of people that I had met after my trial and judgment was entered that had been helping me with the podcast up until that point. And different people were making sure that my podcast promo video was launched properly on all of the various social media platforms to make sure that the announcement went off without a hitch. And it did. And so on August 24th, 2023, the False and Defamatory podcast was officially released on Patreon. I also want to point out that Although I didn't quite wait until the final decree was entered, within 24 hours, it was entered. I remember feeling a little nervous that I had launched without the final decree being entered, but honestly, at that point, I had waited so long to finally speak. Now, I had launched my website in December of 2022, and there were some facts out there, but as you can see, there was a lot to say. And I had waited long enough. And so I was really happy, though, when the decree was finally filed within 24 hours of the podcast release. In the final decree, details about my judgment and who needed to pay what portion was detailed out. And so it was a little odd because my name being in someone else's divorce decree, that's just kind of a little bit weird. But my judgment was a large sum of money, and because the divorce trial was about the division of assets, there, was, there would have been no way to draw up that decree without having my name in it. 
And in that decree, it was ruled that out of the $50,000 of the exemplary damages against the company, that the defendant herself had to pay $45,000 and the ex-husband had to pay $5,000. So the defendant paid 90% of that. In actual damages, that was $96,500 of the entire judgment. The defendant was ordered to pay $91,675 and the ex-husband was ordered to pay $4,825. So the defendant there paid 95%. For the defendant's personal exemplary damages, please recall that the jury awarded me $50,000 from the company, but $100,000 from the defendant in her personal capacity. The judge ruled that the defendant needed to pay 100% of that. So the ex-husband was ordered to pay $0 of the personal exemplary damages. And then the judge added interest. So whenever my judgment was entered in my case, it stated that there would be 6% annual interest. And so the interest was added to this from the point of my judgment up until the point of the divorce trial, and then also after the divorce trial. So there's pre and post judgment interest that was added to this. And there was $18,151.40 worth of interest added to my judgment. And the defendant was required to pay $17,414.02 of that. So the judge ordered that the defendant needed to pay the vast majority of that interest. And That brings the total that was owed to me to $264,651.40. And of that amount, the defendant was ordered to pay 96.01% or $254,089.02. And the ex-husband was ordered to pay $10,562.38. And those amounts were to be taken directly from the trust. And the check was going to be cut by the defendant's ex-husband's attorney because he is the one who held the trust and he was going to write those checks from the ex-husband's portion and the defendant's portion and send those directly to me. Of that amount, per the judge, there was $58,886.12 that is still owed to me as of this day. So because there wasn't enough money for the judgment and the interest to be paid in full, there is a balance of almost $59,000 and the defendant is supposed to pay that herself. She has made no effort to make any sort of payments towards that and I don't expect that she will. And like I've said, this lawsuit was never about money, ever. The lawsuit was never even expected to go to trial. In the beginning, I only filed this lawsuit because she would not stop defaming me. I was just going to have Todd send a cease and desist. And because she escalated so quickly and there was so much defamation, Todd said, let's just file a lawsuit because that was supposed to communicate the seriousness. And all it did was make her double down, triple down, quadruple down, and we carried it all the way to trial. Having the judgment be paid was more about accountability because as you can see, the defendant acted like at first the trial hadn't even happened. And then when she finally did admit that it had happened and admitted that she lost, she blamed ineffective counsel. And so she was not accepting any of the consequences of her actions at all. So that judgment being paid or even just the portion of the judgment that was paid out of that trust was symbolic of holding her truly accountable 
for what she had done and all of the defamation that she had been spreading. Then on September the 2nd of 2023, the False and Defamatory podcast was released on all platforms. Releasing the False and Defamatory podcast on September 2nd was really, really important to me because September 2nd, 2023 was three years to the day that I resigned. And I thought that I was leaving that part of my life behind me when I resigned. I had no idea what was about to transpire. But Releasing to Patreon on August the 24th was really important, and this day also had some real significance for me. And as to be expected, when the defendant realized that I was launching this podcast, she was unhappy, and she did make several live videos. She made Instagram stories and posts, and I'm not going to play any of that footage. I'm sure you can imagine what all of that was like. And she would threaten her followers again not to follow me or listen to the podcast. And I just want to say that no one can see whether or not you listen to the podcast or view my socials or view my website. And she regularly threatens her followers with that. And my question to that would be why? It's just facts and evidence. If you are so confident that you have been telling the truth, then it wouldn't bother you if people listened to what I had to say. I've never threatened anyone for following the defendant or listening to anything that she has to say because that's fine. You're a grown adult. You can do that if you want to. And you don't have to believe me. I'm just laying the facts and evidence out there. And as a grown adult, you can make your own conclusions. On September the 14th of 2023, the check did arrive that took a little bit. There was some paperwork stuff that I finally did receive the check on September the 14th of 2023. And it was sort of odd. I didn't honestly deposit it for a few weeks because once again, this had never been about the money. It was more about the accountability, but it did come on September the 14th of 2023. And that was a win just because once again, she was never going to make any effort to pay that judgment. And so because she requested a motion for continuance in her divorce, we were able to file as intervener and then request for that to be paid. And because of her history and behavior, the judge did rule that it would come directly from the trust. And so the defendant was being held accountable for all of the defamation that she had been spewing for years, at this point, almost three years. Then on September the 18th of 2023, the judge did file the findings of fact and conclusions of law. So that had been requested several weeks prior, and the judge filed this on September the 18th of 2023. And in addition to detailing out the breakdown of everything that had to be paid by each party, there was a reason why the judge ruled in that way and why she ruled that the defendant had to pay the portion that she had to pay and why the ex-husband had to pay the portion that he had to pay. And that portion says, the court finds that the allocation of the judgments, including interest related to the same as stated in numbers 22 and 23 above, are just and right based on the actions and or inactions of petitioner, the defendant is the petitioner in this case, related to the suit filed in cause number 096-321-67820, that is my case, 
The court further finds that the plaintiff and interveners in said suit testified as to the actions and or actions of petitioner that led to the lawsuit being filed and the settlement as to intervener H and judgment as to Crystal Wrighton. The fines and allegations in the pleadings files in cause number 0963216720 are directly related to petitioner's actions and or inactions related to the plaintiff and intervener. What this means is the reason that the defendant had to pay 96.01% of the judgment and interest is because of her own actions. The judge is saying that if the defendant would not have had those actions, that this debt would not have been incurred. And because she was the perpetrator of these actions, she had to pay the vast majority of the judgment. The following day, the defendant made a live video, and I am going to play a short clip from that. And at this point in time, the defendant starts a new narrative that she is going to repeat for a couple of months that she feels that I may harm her. Have you thought about doing a podcast? I know y'all tell me that all the time, but like everybody has a podcast and I don't know. And I'm more of like a visual person. Like you have to see me when I'm talking versus like me just rambling off. And I don't know, maybe I will. I don't know. My fear, honest to God, is that she's going to kill me one day. Which is, I guess, because, you know, she got her money or whatever. But, like, when I start fighting back, which I'll do next summer, like, I'm scared that she's going to, like, go bananas like Selena and murder me. Because everybody's really going to, you know. Or, like, at least when I start showing the actual proof of the text messages between them and the shit she did in my business and all that stuff. Like, I, I do worry, like, she's going to kill me. So, I'd like to get enough of it out so that at least Dateline has something to talk about. And I'd like to make enough money so if she does kill me, my kid has something to fall back on. Because we all know his daddy ain't giving him none of that freaking million dollars he just stole from me. So in this short clip, she talks about that I had gotten my money. And she also uses language that will start to become prevalent in her narrative that her ex-husband stole money from her. And so she makes the accusation or allegation that she is afraid that I'm going to kill her one day, which is extremely serious. And she has alluded to this before. Early on, she talked about the Selena slash Yolanda Saldivar. And so she's bringing that narrative back into this. But I would also like to point out that the defendant, since the video on April the 5th of 2023, has told her followers multiple times that I am a teacher. And while she has never said where I teach, she has told her followers that repeatedly. And now she is telling her followers that I'm dangerous and that she is afraid that I'm going to kill her. And one of the follower comments in this video says, we just need to be reminded of what Crystal's last name is. And then someone else says, yes, in agreement with that. And so I just want to point that out because I've gotten a lot of commentary that there's no way that people can still believe her. And people that comment are probably just commenting to kind of egg her on because it incites a lot of drama with the defendant. And while I would love to think that people do not possibly still believe her, I have a lot of evidence to the contrary, unfortunately. And it appears that at least a portion of her followers do truly 
still believe what she is saying. A few days later, on September the 22nd of 2023, she has another live video with this same murder narrative. Do you think Yolanda Saldivar was really like in love with Selena or like what happened with that? Like when did she go south? Because you just look back at them and you're like, because that's how I feel like my life is, but I'm praying I don't get murdered. Um, but you, you see it and you're like, Selena like did everything for her. And that's how I felt too. Like, please don't act like your life was horrible around me because it definitely wasn't. I remember after she left, I was like, should I go check on her? And I kept her kid in my well and we were about to go out of town. It just blows my mind. And now you got a podcast about me. Like I'm, I would be flattered if it wasn't so creepy. So here the defendant is bringing in the Yolanda Saldivar and talks about was she in love with Selena or just obsessed or something like that. And is just trying to convince her followers that I am a crazy, obsessed person and she is in fear for her life. And this is a second video that she's made in a few days. And a few days after this video, I received the following Instagram DM on my false and defamatory Instagram from apparently one of the defendant's followers. And this message says, Crystal, get a life, girl. This is sickening. We all know the truth about you. If all of the evidence was accurately presented against you, you wouldn't have one profanity. All of this will come back and bite you in the profanity, and I hope I have a seat on the front row. So not only does the defendant have her followers still believing this wild, false, and defamatory narrative, but now she has told her followers twice in the past several days that I might kill her and that she is concerned for her safety. And so she is once again trying to incite her followers against me much like she has been doing this entire time. But in the beginning, if you'll recall, there were a lot of violent threats made by the defendant's followers. And the defendant has made light of that and made it sound like it was no big deal. However, this sort of behavior is very unpredictable. What the defendant is doing is wild and outlandish and unpredictable. And her followers have proven to also be unpredictable. And so it is disturbing that she continues this narrative. It is disturbing that the followers continue to believe her. And it is most disturbing that her followers also do contact me, leave comments, leave messages for me that indicate that they do still believe her and that they are waiting for my downfall. A few days later, the defendant makes another live video with further murder allegations against me. People are crazy. You know, it sucks too, because I like, I wish they did, could know. Then like I used to be able to say where I was going and then people mm -hmm. will would come and I can like meet people and hug them if they were eating there too. And now it's like, oh, you don't know. I get skinned and worn. Who are you hiding from? Oh, uh, you know, Crystal's crazy asses. I don't need them knowing on my business. Weirdos. I don't want them to show up nowhere or nothing. So I don't worry about doing anything because like I could kick it out. I mean, I do have to think about my like safety. I don't want to get murdered. At this point, like, the obsession is insane, so I don't know like when it's ever gonna stop or at what level. Which would have, it would be in her best interest not to try to kill me because like everybody's gonna know who did it. So in this video, the defendant is getting ready for a date and she is upset because she wants to be able to tell people where they're going to eat, but she can't because she says she might get skinned and worn. And then someone says, who are you afraid of? And so then she names her ex-husband and myself by name and says that She's actually not really scared of her ex-husband because she thinks that she could beat him in a fight, but that she apparently is afraid of me. She's afraid that I'm going to murder her. She also says it wouldn't be smart for me to murder her because then everybody would know who did it. 
And she is also using this new narrative that my podcast, me having a podcast about her is another level of my quote unquote obsession with her. And that's why she is so concerned that I may murder her. So she is once again trying to incite her followers by telling them that she is afraid for her own safety and not just her safety, her life, that she is actually alleging that she believes that I am going to murder her. And because this narrative of me trying to murder her, it just kept going and going and going and the followers starting to message me and things like that. I did once again, let my admin team know where I work, including our SROs at our campus, because once again, people are unpredictable and these followers who believe her and now believe that I may harm her, I have no idea what they may or may not try to do. And so I have to take my own precautions for my own safety and not just my safety, but the safety of my school and my students and that sort of a thing, because we have no idea what one of her very devoted, blind, cult-like following may do or not do. And so just as a safety precaution, I did let them know that all of this was transpiring, which is once again, it's just embarrassing to even be associated with any of this. And so I really don't like having to get my new career involved and wrapped in to any of this. However, when those sort of comments are made and those sort of allegations are made, I have to tell them I do. And I, once again, I'm very thankful for the support that I do have. And I did let them know that I was releasing a podcast and my admin team, at least some of them that I know of, have listened to the podcast. And so I'm very thankful to have that sort of support and also to have our SROs on campus that know about all of this so that I can be protected, our school can be protected, and our students can be protected. In October of 2023, the defendant's ex-husband had to file more legal paperwork because it was ordered in the final decree that the defendant also was supposed to sign over her 401k to her ex-husband. And the reason that the judge ruled that is because in the divorce, the defendant had to turn over financials for her company, and they both had to turn over financials for any personal effects that they had. And so when the judge was deciding the division of assets, the judge ruled that the defendant could keep her company, which had a value attached to it. And to equalize this distribution, there were some assets that the defendant had that were redistributed to her husband, and one of those was the 401k. The defendant was making no effort to sign that over to her ex-husband, and so a new motion had to be filed and a new hearing had to be set. The defendant was very unhappy with this. I don't believe she had any intention of ever abiding by that final decree court order. And so when this happened, the defendant made the following Facebook post, and this is a written post. A swipe makes you anxious. The defendant's son and I were checking out at Walmart. Both of our eyes glued to the credit card keypad. Would it decline? We were buying him popcorn chicken and a drink. It's really sick to think that you worked your whole life so we'd never have to hold our breath after you swiped your card. I know you're doing your best, Mom. I swallowed the lump in my throat. The transaction went through and I sighed with relief, praying for no fees in case the bank just let it go through. On the way home... My son said he doesn't want to go far off for college. I know he's worried about me. God let us be vindicated and every tiny bit paid back before he has to decide. 
As happy as it makes me to think he wouldn't be far, I saved my whole life for him to be able to go anywhere. He made the grades I saved. My ex-husband stole it. I'm tough, I know, but I'd be lying if I said it isn't taking everything in me to be the person God wants me to be. To my ex-husband's family, when I get that picture with the height markers, there will be a billboard of it. Bet that. Please note, unlike the police video that Crystal released or the goings-on during the divorce trial that wrote about on the blogs, this is the first time I've posted anything publicly like this. But the world should know, this isn't fair and it can happen to you. I don't write this for sympathy. I write this so you knows that liars do win sometimes. I never lied. You only lied. We will be okay and you will get caught one day. $287,967 plus the $211,062 you already cashed plus the $88,000 you stole from the safe and then deposited into your separate account and lied about after telling me for a year that you knew it was missing and that we have to find that money, babe, you worked hard for it, plus the hundreds of thousands you took from my business. Not a single check written to us, my retirement and his college savings gone, but you're right, sir, I did work hard for all that. To build a home I never should have had to sell, to save for two decades for the future, and I'll work two times as hard to get it back, and to make sure that he never holds his breath for a Walmart swipe and goes to whatever college he dreams of, and that all this is a distant memory for him. And I'll tell the world how to avoid what you did to me. Tonight, I'll be giving away the last bags of clothes from my closet to single moms in the area. Moms who may have seen the hell of an awful divorce. Moms who are struggling like me when they shouldn't have to. Because one thing God did teach me is that just because bad has been done to me doesn't mean my heart will be hardened. And this isn't my fight anymore. It's between you and God. And he always wins the war, even if you've won the battle. I hope I've taught my son to be nothing like you and everything like Jesus would be. Other than this post being, like many of the defendant's other posts, extremely manipulative of her followers and once again trying to incite them against her ex-husband and somewhat myself, the most disturbing part of this post are the pictures that the defendant shared. So the defendant has been telling this narrative lately that she didn't get anything in the divorce. She got no money, which is accurate. And she is trying to prove it to her followers. And she is saying that everything was stolen from her by her ex-husband, by me. And so as part of her receipts, because she claims that she has them, she includes an image of the check that was written to her ex-husband from the trust account as proof that she did not get any money from that trust. And with that check, Included in the picture was the full routing number and account number on full display. And that routing number and account number was from her ex-husband's divorce attorney's trust account. That trust account holds marital assets for that entire firm's clients. And that is extremely reckless. We have seen the defendant be reckless in the things that she has posted by what she has been saying. But to share sensitive financial information, not just for one person, but for I don't even know how many clients from a law firm that could be easily compromised by actual hackers who might commit actual financial crimes. That is too far. And at that point, I had been truly just commenting and answering questions about the podcast, about my case and things like that in terms of what I was posting publicly on my own platforms and anything that I was answering on Reddit. However, at that point, 
that was very disturbing and dangerous. And so I did create a public post that that post needed to be reported to Meta. I'm going to let you guess whether or not Meta took it down. They did not. However, that had the potential to be very harmful for a lot of people. And it just goes to show of how completely negligent and reckless the defendant is with her actions. She has learned nothing. She has lost quite literally everything by her own admission except for her child, and she has learned nothing. She continues to be negligent and reckless with what she posts on social media. The last time my legal team checked, the defendant had over 38 social media accounts. The new accounts that she's made under the new companies that she is starting or has started, she continues to defame me on those accounts as well. And in November, she even set up a subscription channel on her Instagram for her followers to pay and claimed that she was only going to talk about all of this involving myself and her ex-husband on that subscription channel. So while she has been using defamation for profit for now three years, as of November of 2023, she is taking it a step further. However, on November the 17th of 2023, a new lawsuit was filed against the defendant. This time, that lawsuit was filed by a large bank that the defendant had a business line of credit with. The judge had ruled that not only did the distribution of assets require the defendant to turn over her 401k to her ex-husband and for the money held in the trust, half of it to be distributed to the ex-husband and the other half was distributed to myself and the final defamation attorney that were owed money. In addition to that, the defendant, because she had professed that she was the 99% owner of the business, the judge awarded her the business debt that she had incurred after the divorce had been filed. And it was almost $300,000. And she did not also feel that she needed to pay that. And so that bank is now suing her. This also likely means that any efforts that my attorneys make to have the remaining portion of my judgment paid will likely not be fruitful because now there is a large bank that is going to be going after the defendant's assets. Once again, I've never been concerned with the money. It has just been about the accountability for me. And so the defendant has been held accountable for my judgment. And although there is a portion remaining, it's unlikely that I'll see that. However, this large bank that is suing her has the potential to get any remaining assets that she has. Once again, none of this has stopped the defendant from carrying on the same narrative that she has told for this entire time. And on December 23rd, right before Christmas, the defendant shared a photo of myself and her. And in this photo, she did cover up my face and she covered up my face with an emoji of Satan. And the defendant has called me Satan so many times. And now I can joke about that. I've said before that my user flair in one of the Reddit communities is allegedly Satan. And the defendant is continuing that narrative that I am Satan. Once again, I don't have any concrete proof that I am not Satan, so you are just going to have to take my word for it, but I am not, in fact, Satan. However, the defendant did share this photo and did put the Satan emoji over my face to indicate that I am Satan. And she had some further things to say about me whenever she shared that, and she will have things to say about me. The defendant will never 
ever stop defaming me. And I have resolved to that. I am aware that she will carry on this false infamatory narrative forever. As I wrap this podcast up in this entire journey, in episode 32, part five, my mom was a guest on that episode and you got to hear her quote unquote mom you for a little while. And my mom sometimes can have a way of making us all feel like we are grounded because if we are doing something that we should not be doing, my mom will be the first to let you know and to put you in your place. However, my mom is not here on this episode, but it is my turn to mom you for just a little bit. And I just want to talk about my thoughts and feelings on this entire ordeal. And we are in 2024 at this point. The internet is not going away. And the internet is a great tool. It connects people. There is all kinds of information on the internet that is useful and helpful. However, we, you and I, we have got to be more responsible on social media. Because in the future, we are going to be using social media and the internet in perpetuity. And I do think that legislation will change because of that. But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to be responsible on social media. I would like for you to consider your actions on social media, also in real life, but especially on social media and on the internet, because the defendant is not the only one responsible for this. The people who have been snarking on her for some time and the followers who have commented in support of the defendant through all of this, blindly believing everything that she has said without facts, evidence, or verification of any kind are directly responsible for what happened to me over a two-year period. My entire life was disrupted. My career was disrupted. My family was disrupted. My physical health was impacted. My mental health was completely trashed. My finances were affected because I could not work for a period of time. I am to the point now where I can be thankful for the journey, but it doesn't change the fact that this gutted me for a very long time. So I would like for you to consider that because your choices don't affect just you especially the little tiny ones that you make day to day that you don't really think about the ramifications of what you're doing. So I will say to the snarkers for the defendant, not just for the defendant in general, rein it in. Come on. You don't need to say every single thing that comes into your brain. Okay. Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. Constructive criticism is okay. That's okay. Absolutely. That needs to happen. Hate is not okay no matter the circumstances. We all have opinions and that's okay. It's okay to share them. And I think that they should be shared. And especially for people who have created a following and have influence over that following, those people need to be checked because if they are going to be putting information out there and if it is wrong information, there needs to be a place where that can be refuted. Oftentimes with these influencers, I understand that cannot be refuted on their own social media platforms. And I think to some extent that's okay because you don't want that to become harassing. However, whenever you do share those opinions, just don't be hateful. If you're going to say something, at least make it useful or funny. Speaking of funny, sarcasm is okay. We had a sermon this morning at church that just said 
don't take yourself too seriously. And our pastor was making light of the fact that we had just gotten a brand new billboard across the highway from our church. And he was so excited when he was driving up and he could see that the billboard was up. And so he pulled over to take a picture of it and then realized that the arrow that was supposed to be pointing people to our building was facing the wrong way. And he made the comment that he could have called the billboard sign company who put that up and reamed them out. And he could have been upset and he could have been angry and said, oh my gosh, this is going to affect attendance. And this, you know, he could have gotten upset and angry. Instead, he decided to take a picture of it and send it to all of his friends and make light of the situation. That is okay. Lighthearted, funny commentary. That's totally fine. Don't let it escalate into harassment. Do not contact directly people online with the intent of harassing them or repeatedly contacting them. That's not okay. And that is harassment. And I do think that there should be consequences for that. But be hilarious. That's okay. Like I said before, there are TikTok creators who sort of poke fun at influencers with their outfit of the day videos and things like that. And that's funny. Satire has been a part of our society and civilization forever. And I think that we need that. We need the humor. We need the lightheartedness. Just don't let it turn into hateful speech or harassment. The desire to see justice served is okay. Bullying people is not. I also have a justice-oriented attitude. I do think that there should be accountability for people's actions. I'm also insanely thankful for grace because I have not always made the right decisions in my life. And I'm very thankful for grace, that people have shown me grace, that situations have shown me grace. And so I understand the desire to see justice served. And there does need to be accountability for people, especially influencers or content creators or anyone online that is spreading misinformation. And especially in my case, making false and defamatory statements, there does need to be accountability for that. But don't let it turn into bullying. Even on my own social media accounts, I understand that a lot of you that have listened to this podcast are upset over what I have been through. And it makes you angry. I get it. I totally get it. However, if you notice that someone who is likely, based on what they're commenting, is likely a follower of the defendant, please do not attack them. Don't attack them. They have been misled. They have been manipulated. They have been lied to. I will respond to them unless I get so many comments that I can't physically respond to them, but I will respond to them. Please do not attack them in my comments. I will have grace for them. I will also point them to the facts and evidence of the case and hope that they will look at that and understand that they have been lied to, but please do not attack them. Fact-checking people is okay. It is necessary. News stations, whenever they share an article, there are fact-checkers. We need that. We need that. And when you hear something online, when you see a video or a post by somebody, you need to fact check. Even if there's not a Snopes article about it or a professional fact checker from the media about whatever the subject is, before you start commenting and support one way or the other, you need to do your own research and make sure that you're validating whatever claim is being made before you comment in support or opposition to it. We, as the people that are consuming the content, it is our responsibility to fact check the things that we are choosing to believe. You cannot just blindly believe people. 
it is very dangerous and can be very detrimental for a lot of people. And so please, please fact check. To the influencers and content creators out there, and I realize that I could be considered a content creator as I have created a podcast, so I am also talking to myself here. Be responsible with your platform, period. I realize that constantly having your phone in your hand and filming and taking pictures and posting is a job now. I realize that. In a traditional job, you would have a performance review. You would have someone that's evaluating your performance. And in my case, I have a license. If I do something to violate that license, my license will be revoked. Currently, there is not any real ramifications if you are doing your job poorly as an influencer or a content creator. You have to be responsible with your platform. Don't you dare amass a following and then lie to them and lead them into misinformation that could harm them or harm somebody else. You are going to have people who disagree with you. You are going to have people who comment on your posts and videos and send you DMs that are negative. You will. Some of it will be constructive criticism. Some of it will just be mean for the point of being mean. And you need to decide how you are going to react to that. If you are going to put your life on social media, you need to prepare yourself for everything that comes along with that. I highly suggest that you have a support system offline. Do not become obsessed with your following, with your internet friends. Do not live every day to seek that validation from that following. That is a very dangerous place to live. I highly recommend that you see a mental health professional on a regular basis because putting yourself out there publicly can take a toll on your mental health. It absolutely can, good or bad. You don't want the good to get to your head in the wrong way, and you don't want the bad to take so much of a toll on you that it hurts you. If you consistently feel yourself being consumed with any negative comments about you, your platform, you need to consider your relationship with social media. You need to consider whether or not that's healthy. And if you're an influencer and that's your main source of income, I'm going to encourage you to make wise financial decisions while you're making lots of money so that if social media becomes too toxic of a place for you, that you are not stuck doing that. Make wise financial decisions. So if you have to take a break or stop being on social media altogether, that it doesn't negatively impact your family. Having an online platform is going to take resilience. You are going to have to consciously not take things personally. And when you respond to criticism that you might face, you are going to have to respond wisely. It is very tempting to be petty to people who are ugly to you. And I just would caution you that if you feel wronged by someone or a company or anything like that, just because someone is ugly to you does not give you permission to be ugly to them back. That doesn't help anything. If you have a bad experience with a place, trashing them on social media, not saying that there shouldn't be accountability, but if it was just because a server at a restaurant was having a bad day, there's no reason to put all of that negativity out into the world. In making this podcast, I was extremely intentional to keep the defendant's identity anonymous because the point of me talking about this isn't to quote unquote warn people about her or isn't supposed to make people stop shopping with her or any of that. I'm not coming at her. I am just releasing the facts and evidence of this case 
and trying to educate people on the legal process of defamation in the process and alert people that this situation happened. This is how it affected me. This is how it affected other people. And it's never been about the defendant specifically. There is a way to respond to negativity without blasting somebody on social media. I would also say to influencers and creators, you need to lead by example. You have a following. You have a greater responsibility. Consider the people who are following you. And if you have an influence over them, the things that you do and say can become the things that your followers do and say. And so you need to take that seriously and make sure that the content that you're putting out, the actions that you're taking on a daily basis are truly actions that are for the good of other people and for our society as a whole. You have the power to use your platform for good or bad. And I understand making mistakes and not having everything be perfect all the time. I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying, do not intentionally use your platform to try to destroy other people or businesses or groups or anything like that, because that is irresponsible and it can be very, very dangerous. Meta, what are you doing? Why do you have terms and conditions and community guidelines for your platform if you are going to blatantly allow this sort of content to continue? I've been defamed. Now it is over three years. It is January the 7th of 2024. I began being defamed on Meta Platforms November the 13th of 2020. Every single defamatory post or video that was not taken down by the defendant is still up right now. I have not one, but two judgments for this. And you have done nothing. You have got to do better. Now you don't just have Facebook, you also have Instagram and you have threads. And if the internet is not going to go away, the platforms are going to have to do a better job of protecting people and making sure that the content that is put out on those platforms is not breaking any laws. Meta will take down something polarizing or put someone in quote unquote Facebook jail for the silliest comments that don't really have anything to do with anything, but there's an 80 minute live video defaming me for 80 minutes that is left up until it was taken down by the defendant. That's not okay and it's not acceptable. I'm not calling for people to shut down all of their meta accounts or anything like that. I love the meta platforms. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, but the accountability, it needs to be looked at and evaluated because people have reported the defamatory posts and videos. And do you know what they're told? This doesn't violate anything. People have reported the defamatory videos and included my case number and the judgment. And the response is, this doesn't violate anything. That's got to change. I realize that my situation is minor in comparison to some things that go on on the internet. I get that. I'm not trying to make this the biggest deal in the world right now because it's not. However, because this was allowed by Meta, many lives were affected. Not just mine and the way that it adversely affected my life, but there is a woman, an influencer on Meta platforms, 38 accounts actually, last time my legal team checked, whose entire life has been destroyed because Meta has allowed 
blatant defamation across three and a half years. This woman lost her home. She lost her marriage. She lost apparently a lot of money because Meta allowed this. If this would not have been allowed by the platform, then she would not have kept doing it. But because it was allowed, it fueled her, just like the follower comments. And speaking of, to the followers, and my mom has talked a little bit about this before, but you are just as responsible. Every single time you commented in support of the defendant, it fueled her. Some of you even to this day just got a comment yesterday on my TikTok from a follower saying, defamed, Crystal, you're funny. Go back to spreadsheets. You stole more than anyone. And this person is a follower of the defendant. I actually know this person in real life. And it's very, very sad. And like my mom said, you are partly responsible for what has happened to the defendant. So you call her your friend, but you have done nothing but enable all of this to happen. So when you think that you are going to comment in support of somebody whenever they're telling you a story on social media and it's about someone else and you even go so far as to make threats against another person, you're responsible for the ramifications after that point. You have to validate the things that people say before you just co-sign on it. It's dangerous. You led to this. You impacted not just me, not just my family, but the defendant and her family. You have to be mindful of the decisions that you're making and especially the words that you're saying and making threats against people saying, oh, we just need to be reminded of Crystal's last name and making comments that are violent in nature. And the defendant has made light of that. And perhaps you listening made one of those comments and you're like, oh, well, I didn't really mean anything by it. Well, guess what? It's on the internet forever. I tell my own children that. And so you need to really think about the things that you say from the comfort of your keyboard. Think about the ramifications of that and be more responsible. If something like this happens to you and you're listening to this because you have been a victim of defamation or you think you might have been a victim of defamation and you aren't really sure what to do or where to start. Most personal injury attorneys can handle a defamation case. Some won't, but if you are having a hard time finding one who will, feel free to reference my case. My case is in Texas, and my case number is 096-321-678-20. And that is in Tarrant County in the 96th District Court. So if you have an attorney that is reluctant to take your case because it is a defamation case and because it is defamation from social media, Feel free to give them that information. They can look the case up. They can see the details. You can feel free to share my website or my podcast as well. If you think that this is happening to you, the most important thing that you need to do is document the defamation. If there are videos, you need to screen record them. If there are written posts, you need to screenshot that and keep track of that information. It is also very important, at least in the state of Texas, I have not researched all of the laws in all of the other 49 states. However, in Texas, you have 90 days from the time the statement was made to ask for it to be retracted. Otherwise, you cannot use those statements in your case. And so you need to take action quickly. You need to document. You need to officially ask for the statements to be retracted. And if they are, then you probably wouldn't want to proceed with a defamation case. But if they are not retracted and you do need to proceed, 
you can feel free to look at the legal process in my case so that you can know sort of what to expect. It is important to get the request for admissions, especially if there are a lot of statements because that does save time at trial. And also there is some legislation called anti-SLAP and that is something that likely will be filed early on in the case or it may not be, it wasn't filed in mine, but that legislation can also get a defamation case thrown out. And so that is just something to look for in research, but try a personal injury attorney first. And if you have a hard time finding one, feel free to send them in the direction of my podcast, my website, or feel free to give them that case number and they can look up the details. Like I've said before, there are people with the school of thought that if I just would have ignored her and done nothing, that she would have stopped. And I was never going to be okay with that because people who exhibit this sort of behavior don't just do this sort of thing to one person. They do it to people over and over and over again. The defendant has made defamatory statements about many people before me. And I am just not a person that is going to let something like that go. However, I think that that school of thought of just wait until they find another target is dangerous. That is extremely selfish on my part if I were to have done something like that, because I don't know what kind of support system the next target will have. I don't know that. And I do think that some people who I have corresponded with since my judgment do look to my case and me holding her accountable as some vindication for themselves. Some people who have been defamed by the defendant feel like they sort of got vindication because I got vindication because they weren't able to. And I was going to hold her accountable. I had the unique opportunity, looking back now, to hold her accountable in a way that no one else could, except for H, which H also did join and held her accountable. But in terms of having the facts and evidence and basis for a true lawsuit to hold her accountable for her actions, that was something that I had the resources to be able to do. And because the defendant refused to retract the things that she was saying, I took it all the way to the end. It became a point where there was no chance that I was going to let it go. And I do think that if Something like this happens to you, and I'm not just talking about something mild where somebody might share an opinion about you, okay? I'm talking true defamation. Hold them accountable. People that exhibit this kind of behavior do things because they get away with it. When they stop getting away with it, they will stop doing it. I also realized that because that I am speaking out and I have this podcast and my website and my social media channels, that the defendant is never going to stop defaming me. I realize that. However, if her focusing on me and defaming me keeps her from doing this to other people, I'm okay with that because I have the verdict and judgment to refute every single thing that she has said. And because I have spoken out, it takes her power away. Someone messaged me the other day and had something really insightful to say, and it really stuck with me, and I just want to read a portion of it. First of all, she says, her army aren't just random people on the internet. They are people in your community, and that's what's so terrifying. You are a survivor, 
And even though it still continues daily, I hope you feel like a victor over the circumstance now that you've taken her power away to be the only voice people have a chance to hear. The defendant spoke for many years, unanswered. I was answering through my attorneys, but in terms of the internet, she had free reign to say whatever she wanted to say and lie about whatever she wanted to lie about regarding me and this case. And now that time is over. All of the facts and evidence have been laid out and the power of the truth will overpower a lie every single time. I said in the beginning that at some point I would draw a line in the sand and I would no longer give the defendant a voice. And I've done that. I have told the whole story from beginning to end. I have shared all of the facts and evidence. And while the defendant will continue to defame me, I'm no longer listening. And honestly, a lot of people aren't listening anymore because they have had the chance to listen to what actually happened. And so they are not interested in hearing the lies anymore. There are people who still do blindly believe and follow and listen to the defendant, and they probably will forever. And there's nothing that I can do about that. However, my voice has now been heard and my voice could not have been heard without you listening. And so I do want to say thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And at the time of this podcast recording, I just paused and looked at the numbers this podcast has been listened to almost 200,000 times. So thank you for listening. My goal in making this podcast was to shed light on what actually happened. It was to share the facts and evidence and the truth. It also was about educating people regarding the process of a defamation lawsuit. But most importantly, I wanted to shed light on this situation to encourage responsible social media use. That is what is most important to me in all of this. And that is what I want you to take away from listening to this podcast. I would like for you to reevaluate your relationship with social media. I would like for you to pause and think about the things that you say on social media and in real life before you say them. And finally, I would like to ask that you share the podcast. I know that many of you have because I've been getting a lot of new listeners. And so I thank you if you have already shared. And part of taking the defendant's power away in all of this is continuing to share the actual truth. The defendant has almost 30,000 followers, I want to say, on her main social media account. And many of the defamatory videos have been viewed 30 plus thousand times. And you sharing helps get the truth into the ears of the people who have watched and listened to the defendant's lies. And so I would ask that you would please share the podcast with your friends, your family, on your own social media, in forums. I actually belong to several Reddit forums about podcasting, and they are always asking for recommendations for podcasts. And so I would just ask that you please share my podcast whenever you get the chance. In addition to sharing the podcast, I would also like to ask that if you so desire, if you would leave a review on the podcast and leave an honest review. It does not bother me if people have opinions that are not 100% in favor of me. That's okay. I want to have that conversation and someone else might share that same sentiment. And so please 
feel free to leave an honest review of the podcast, but I would encourage you to leave a review. You can either just give it stars or you can actually write something and let people know what you either enjoyed about the podcast or any constructive criticism that you may have. I had no idea what I was doing when I started this podcast. I just knew that I needed to do it for my own healing and I am doing very well. Releasing this podcast has had the most profound impact on me. And I think I've said this before, but mom and I were just talking the other day about that. I don't think that I would be in the place that I'm at if I would not have released this podcast. I would still be sitting there wondering if or when I should share this or show this evidence. And it just, I needed to do this. And it has been over three years. And I will say my family is okay. We're doing okay. We made it through this horrific nightmare. We did. And there were times when it was really questionable. It was very shaky. A lot of things transpired, but I'm okay. We're okay. And part of that is because I've been able to share. And once again, me sharing wouldn't mean anything if you weren't listening. So one last time, thank you for listening. And I hope that this podcast helps you think about the impact of your words that you put out into the world. It does make a difference. And my story has been told. Everything is out there. I will continue to share the podcast myself, and I will continue to share on social media to share the truth, to shed light on this situation, to educate people about the legal process for defamation, and most importantly, the impact of defamation and weaponized social media. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Wrighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-678-20 in the 96th District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. 
The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com.